is the moment UFC fans around the world have been waiting for. It's time! Hello and welcome to episode 25 of the Red Belt Report, the monthly MMA podcast where we talk about everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts. I'm your host, Bob Fail. And I'm your co-host, Brooks Fail. And we're back sooner than uh, usual, two weeks later after our last episode, to talk about UFC 216s, 216s <laughs> and the ramifications coming out of that. We'll also preview the events leading up to next month's UFC 217 in New York. What's going on, buddy? All rolling again. Not yeah. much, man. Excited for what's to come. 216 turned out to be really good, in my opinion. Yeah. We were talking last episode how it's kind of like been a real down period lately, but I really feel like 216 was a kickoff to like really renewing the fire in my belly for the sport of MMA. Yeah, for sure. And even had some a lot of changes last minute, but I thought it was lived up to actually – exceeded the hype that it had going and um it really moved a few divisions forward more than i thought it would would. yeah i completely agree it was kind of uh i kind of had this low-key anticipation for it like as it was friday into saturday i was like unusually excited for it downloaded way more mma podcasts than i usually do to listen to and uh I was glad I did because it ended up being worth it, especially the main event and co-main event, which we'll get to. But yeah, the, just the card as a whole had a lot of entertaining fights, even uh, even a couple draws that didn't even matter because they were so fun to watch. Yeah, right. But uh, I guess we should get into the main event of the evening. Tony Ferguson, El Kikui, defeats Kevin Lee by third round submission, a triangle choke at four minutes and two seconds into round number three. What did uh, what did you think of this this fight overall? I thought it was a good fight, definitely. Um, I was kind of surprised Kevin Lee took it to Tony Ferguson on the feet, um, maybe not so much on the ground, but I he burnt out a bit. But I didn't expect uh, Kevin Lee, Kevin Lee striking to me looked a lot better than Tony Ferguson's. What do you think? I disagree, but I see where you're coming from. I mean, it's if he can be believed what he said after the fight or in the days following, Ferguson said that he kept his hands low on purpose to get Kevin Lee to wing punches at him and wear himself out faster. He wanted to entice him into throwing more often. Yeah, I saw that too. And he was trying to get him to throw some leg kicks. And I mean, Ferguson is definitely an all around fighter, but his jiu-jitsu is good. Oh yeah. I mean, but, uh, Ferguson's striking is not his best aspect. I would say definitely his jiu-jitsu is his grappling. Uh, but it's not bad. I think he's actually a pretty good striker. He gets creative. But I do think he tends to be a slow starter. I think he needs to kind of get into the flow of things, warm up a little bit. And I definitely think his striking looked better as the fight went on. Whereas Lee, like you said, he wore down. 
Probably due to that massive staph infection on his chest. Yeah, it was nasty. Which is insane. Like everyone keeps saying, how did they even let this fight go on with that? It's because it's highly contagious, uh, super pa- uh, painful. Couldn't have helped his weight cut, which obviously there was issues there the day before. Yeah, he had a real hard weight cut. But the, I mean, the Nevada Athletic Commission said afterwards he was fit to fight. But we've seen a, a lot of fights be pulled for staff infection. I just thought that like, Kevin Lee has a much more uh, like standard boxing stance, hands up, yeah, ready to go. And Ferguson had his hands slowly the whole time, but Ferguson definitely did get cracked a few times. Oh, for sure. I mean, and he tends to get hit. He is a hittable guy. He's just lucky he's got a great chin, great cardio to kind of make up for it. Just if you remember the Lando Venata fight, last minute replacement. Guy Emerson upset the apple cart when he uh, in that first round before Ferguson got it together in the second. Yeah, and even at the end of the first round of this fight, Kevin Lee was in full mount. Yeah, he was. He and looked had, like he had him in trouble. For sure, and uh, I mean Ferguson figured it out on the ground eventually, but Kevin Lee is, is no slouch, and he wasn't far out of the fight at any time at all. No, coming in, I thought. He would be a little bit more overmatched than he was. I mean, obviously, I do think Ferguson, the better fighter, won. I mean, he's on an 11-fight win streak now in the most stacked division. Uh, but Kevin Lee showed well for himself. I mean, he's still only, like, 24 years old. So fully expect him to continue to grow as much as he runs his mouth. But I did appreciate after the fight, he was pretty humble and... uh I don't know. I, I like his skill set. I think if he can continue to work on his trash talk and maybe refine it a little bit and uh, work on his game as well, he could he could be a star eventually. Yeah, for sure. I don't think he's going to fall too far off here. Probably fight early next year, but um, I guess from here we'll have to see what this interim belt means. And I also have to say I was definitely glad to see Tony Ferguson pull off that real nice triangle with Eddie Bravo in his corner, 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah, it was a beautiful transition from the armbar. Lee did a great job of getting out of that, and then he just immediately <laughs> hopped on that triangle. It seemed like... Well, he even had an even tighter armbar earlier in a scramble or two before that. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, yeah, it seems, yeah. seems like Ferguson's got a lot of tricks up his sleeve on the ground. For sure, yeah. When he locked up that triangle and he threw the arm out to the outside, that's like a... It's not the easiest way to pull the triangle off, but once he locked it up, it was it was a done. He said he was only at seventy percent. Uh, what is it called when they're uh, pull or yeah, yeah, seventy percent uh, squeeze. He said, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just liked it with, and I thought uh, Joe Rogan did a great job announcing that whole fight because he's you know him and Eddie Bravo are best friends. He was pretty unbiased about the whole thing. Yeah, I mean. You know I'm a big Tony Ferguson fan, mainly inside the cage. He's kind of a weird guy outside of it, but yeah, he's a fun fighter to watch. And if he does get a crack at Conor McGregor like Dana White says he is, that's a fight. That uh, uh, that would be my number one anticipated fight whenever it could happen. Yeah, for sure. But Dana White also said that nobody's talked about Diaz. <laughs> all website bull crap, so... Basically, you got to get the opposite of what Dana White says. I know that's the thing. He says this fight's going to happen. I'm like, oh, it's going to be Diaz. <laughs> <laughs> I actually wrote an article for Baltimore Sports and Life. It's called Lightweight, 
and the Conor McGregor sweepstakes, which uh, was fun to write. It was uh, just basically leapfrogged out of used the main event of 216 to kind of transition into the lightweight division as a whole and what's going to happen next with the title. And I kind of gave odds to who I think will fight Conor McGregor next. And, yeah, uh, who'd you come up with favorite? I actually, I talked about how, you know, Dana White says it's going to happen. Ferguson did a great job calling him out after the fight. It's a great stylistic matchup, uh, fun fight, but I still have him only at 30% chance to get the next fight. Oh, wow. I have Nate Diaz at 50%, and I have Khabib Nurmagomedov at 10%. So I just, there's this weird thing that he keeps talking about Khabib for some reason when he should yeah. be nowhere in the picture. So that to me says. It's an option, even if it's lower on the board. Yeah, yeah. And then I had a couple that were like, you know, uh, not nearly as realistic, but it's it's Connor, so anything could happen. I put uh, Tyron Woodley at five percent, uh, GSP at three percent, and Max Holloway at two percent. Yeah, kind of money fights. Yeah, that's like Holloway. Yeah, God, that'd be crazy. What if? Uh... GSP beats Michael Bisping and fights Conor McGregor. <laughs> Holy shit. From that would be insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and the most insane part is it's not that unrealistic. <laughs> yeah, right. Definitely not out of the realm of possibility. <laughs> yeah. So there's that. But yeah, I mean, I would, God, I would, lo I actually would prefer Ferguson versus McGregor to Diaz 3. Yeah. Uh, I think so too. I just think it'll be a more fun fight, something we haven't seen, something that, I mean, it's a coin flip. I don't, I don't know who I would pick there because my my gut instinct is, it, with the way we saw Ferguson get hit in this, I don't think he could survive a Connor. You know his precision yeah, yeah. and power, taking punches like that. But I mean, he's never been knocked out, and if he did get that fight to the ground, it could be real trouble for. Uh, Connor. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think Ferguson's work and this comes better from the back, but like you said, I that's my take on this. I don't know if he can handle that many of Connor's shots on the feet. Yeah, that would be the question. And that's like it's like one of those true it's just kind of similar to Khabib, except instead of wrestling it's the jujitsu aspect. Yeah. If Connor keeps it standing, he should take care of business. But if it gets to the ground it gets very interesting. Because Ferguson, he's known for his Bravo chokes, and he he can yeah. do it all. He's basically, I think he's just a better version of Nate Diaz. Yeah, to an extent, for sure. Not as good of a boxer, but better jujitsu, perhaps better wrestling. Yeah, yeah. But uh, and that's a fight I'd love to see as well: Tony Ferguson versus Nate Diaz. Although Diaz turned it down earlier in the year. Yeah, I don't think Nate's going to fight anybody that's not named Conor McGregor. Yeah. Which I'm starting to think is just a big mistake for himself. <laughs> I suppose so. I just feel like, I mean, it's the safest route to a, an, another big payday. But, man, if he were to fight Tony Ferguson, or if he had a, if he would have and won, like, he would have became a pay-per-view draw on his own where he didn't have to be linked to Connor in order to be the draw. Now it seems like, He's only a draw with Connor. Yeah, I mean, I get that. I, 
I feel like he has gotten a little bit of that just from the Connor fights where he went up popularity by a landslide. And I don't I think he just him on the card would be a pretty big fight, but uh Yeah. I just don't think he's interested in legacy or winning any titles True. or anything. He just you True. know what I mean? Just selfishly would have been awesome to see him use Connor to catapult himself and really take advantage of the spotlight, you know. But yeah, he's, definitely. Diaz's are going to do their own thing, and, he, and <laughs> that that's certainly true. Right. Still haven't seen Nick yet. Yeah, I don't think he's ever coming back, personally. Yeah, either. Um. All right, Kevin Lee. I mean, we talked about how we think he'll bounce back. What What do you think is a safe landing for him in his next fight? I don't think he should fight anyone in the top five. I think he needs. He's he. This was a pretty big jump up for him in the first place. I say give him a, a more winnable fight, but still a, a tough challenge. Like I think they'll put him against like Khabib or somebody like that. Honestly, Khabib, wow, that would be insane. Yeah, that's it. I mean, Lee's a good wrestler too, so that would be an interesting matchup. I think Khabib's. Yeah. I think Khabib's going to get Barbosa though. That, that's a possibility. I just I think they'll give it to Kevin Lee and Khabib because they need to see Khabib make weight again, and they want to. Yeah keep Lee relevant without throwing him too far down, you know what I mean? Yeah, I hear you. I was thinking maybe someone like Benil Dariush, who also fought on this card, or someone in that range, but either way, he's kind of a guy that I, I, I want to I watch him fight, even if it's to kind of root against him, because he's a bit of a, a douche. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> He's uh, definitely a, a talent. Oh, yeah, if they were in the same weight class, that would be a, a great yeah, fight. Right. Uh, he's a talented kid, though. Got to give it to him. Let's yeah, definitely. transition uh, from a suplex of the main event into an armbar that is the co-main event. Demetrius Johnson defeats Ray Borg. Maybe my favorite freaking moment in UFC history. Uh, that was incredible. The He calls it the mighty... Mighty... mighty. What it was? Mighty it? Bar or something like yeah, that. Yeah, terrible name. Mousetrap was much better. But yeah. uh, man, I, I don't. That might be a little bit of hyperbole about favorite moment in the UFC. But it's. De- I think it is. After thinking about it for the last few days, definitely my favorite submission of all time. And I think it might even surpass the Showtime kick as far as just like unbelievable, like video game type shit. Yeah, it was just the way he slid into it. I mean, midair. It was crazy. Yeah, he I mean... Had his, just the way he had his back and went for, like, that suplex and almost gave up on it, like, halfway as they're going down and threw right into it. It was incredible. Yeah, it's a moment that I'll never forget, much like the Showtime kick where it's like... Yeah, it's awesome when you hear about it and you watch the replay... But live, when you're watching this fight, where he's dominating this guy for four and a half rounds on every single level, striking, wrestling, grappling, he's scrambling, he's just toying and schooling Ray Borg, who was a game fighter and talented kid, but, and then it's like, oh, he's going to suplex him again, he's going to slam him, what the hell, he just hit the armbar, it's like, mind-altering something you never knew was possible and now hopefully that kind of opens up people to get creative with that kind of stuff yeah for sure and it almost like overshadows how dominant of a fight it was i mean ray borg literally did not have 
I don't think a second of dominance or, uh, you know, he, like he was winning that fight at all. That was what, I mean, Demetrius does it a lot, but that was a dominant fight. Yeah. Yeah. The only like hint of trouble is when Boer got on his back and Demetrius just shucked him off like it was nothing. Yeah. Oh, man. Ended up on top. And it's, I, it's crazy to me that I think this moment, it's, I, this is probably a, a low-bought pay-per-view. I'm almost positive of that. but For sure. I feel like if they promote this right, this could be a moment like the Anderson Silva front kick or triangle off his back on Sonnen where this could get him to another level as far as drawing power. Of course, not you know huge, but this could be a big moment for him. Something this flashy, yeah. this something that is like a calling card now. Yeah, he had all the drama with the UFC and Dana White before this fight, but even after the fight, he had even Dana White saying he's definitely the greatest fighter ever. And that's so, a debate I want to have turns in a the page. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's really come a long way for me. I used to not like him. When he first won the flyweight championship, I was rooting for Ian McCall to beat him early on. And I don't know, for some reason, he felt like GSP in a way where he was – kind of boring always going to decision even if he was dominant it was kind of boring but not anymore man he's really done a 180 with me he's one of my favorite fighters to watch now he's always yeah, for, uh, he's a finisher now i mean i feel like he's finished at least five of his last six fights or something like that yeah and impressively too and it's funny i was like talking to my buddy rob who's a professional fighter just usually fights for shogun but uh guy at his gym greg fisher is the shogun flyweight champion just had his first defense on Saturday, which he won. But I was just talking to him how flyweight's a great division for up-and-comers. And he was like, I actually think it's a bad division for up-and-comers. It's We got to talking how it's like the stepchild of the divisions. But and you could, I think yeah. just how like unappreciated DJ is because he runs through everybody. But I think it'll kind of be like how uh, featherweight was with Aldo. And it'll blow up given the time, the right promotion, maybe the right rivalry. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's so crazy. Be that time. He hasn't even had a chance to have a rivalry because he dominates so hard every time. It's like the closest he got was what uh, uh, Dodson. Dodson gave him yeah, a yeah. solid fight, but then he just dominated him even more the second time. So yeah, I mean he knocked out Benavidez. What a round. knockout that was! Second time round, yeah, dominated Cejudo, dominated everybody. Yeah, man, he's awesome. <laughs> what do you think? Is he the greatest of all time? I would have to say for sure. Yeah, I'm kind of leaning that way as well. Um, I do think GSP and John Jones are in the running as well, but I'm, at least for now, like, who knows? Maybe, you know, this is his peak and then he loses his next three fights and I changed my mind, but right now I, I got him as number one. For sure. I don't know really how you can, especially – He's not like a, a brash guy. He doesn't his results talk for him? You know what I mean. Model That's citizen. Why he's, yeah. Yeah, he's so unappreciated because of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. He's he's great. Um, probably think he's the best of all time. Certainly Just, the best pound for pound right now. And you know, GSP is about to come back, and we'll talk about that later. But maybe if he can win the middleweight championship and defend it, then he kind of takes back over first place. But 
for now, DJ. For sure. And it's just crazy. Like, uh, Tony Ferguson made more money than DJ on that guard. <laughs> just <laughs> break the record for title defenses. That's, that's pretty crazy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I have a feeling he'll eventually uh, – his payday will increase, especially now after he broke the record. And what do you think's next? Do you think he fights the winner of Cejudo and Pettis, or do you think he goes up to 135 for a super fight, or does someone come down for a super fight? I think it depends on how both of those fights go. You know what I mean? Yeah. How the Cejudo fight goes and how the uh, Dillashaw-Garbrandt uh, fight goes. I think it just depends on what the landscape looks like after that all plays out. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's time. He broke the record. I want to see... And, of course, I mean, if he just fights the winner of Cejudo Pettis, I mean, I don't hate that either. I mean, he can't... It has to make sense, but if it makes sense, I got. I would love to see him fight Cody, Cruz, or TJ, any of those three. I, yeah, I think I Cruz is like, the only loss, right? Cruz is. Let me see if it, he might have had a loss early in his career. Yeah, he had a loss super early in his career, I believe. Oh, really? Uh, Brad Pickett in two thousand ten. Uh, yeah. Two thousand ten. So. But yeah, then he lost his first ever uh, title shot at Bantamweight to Dominic Cruz. I- I'm picking DJ over any of those three now. For sure, yeah. <laughs> but it would be awesome to see to see happen. Uh, do we got anything to say about Ray Borg? I mean, he showed up. I thought, yeah, I mean, I thought he was game, and I just, I mean, he's my age, so he's right. definitely a young dude. Yeah. And I don't think he's going to fall too far off, but it's just like every like Benavidez fought him, lost, and came back around eventually. I just don't know if he can get that much better. I mean, DJ had an answer for everything he did. Yeah, so that's I true. Just, I don't know. I just think he's like a league above him. He's a league above everybody. But I think Borg will stay in like the top five, seven range. He's. I still think he's a pretty good fighter. I think he's actually kind of similar to... DJ and just his style, but he's just a much lower, like worse version of it. Yeah, he's had trouble cutting weight at flyweight. So yeah, I think his future might be even at 135 if he can't get his shit together. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's talk about Fabricio Verdum was supposed to fight Derek Lewis, but he woke up and couldn't even move. His back hurt so bad, and luckily Walt Harris was able to step in at the last second and. <laughs> Unfortunate for your guy Mark Godbeer, but yeah. <laughs> he got paid. He'll be fighting again soon, I'm sure. So can, yeah. he can go uh, praise God and drink beer. So, <laughs> but it sucks well, about well, Derek Lewis, man, because that was probably like the fight I was really looking forward to. <laughs> yeah, right. Me too. I mean, I love uh, Derek Lewis a lot, but he's had back issues. Yeah, it's, uh, I feel like it's going to be hard for him to even get over this. Yeah, especially when he was just coming off retirement talks and all. So yep. I guess we'll see, we shall see. Yeah. Of course, he had a lot going on during this camp and all. So who knows? Maybe it'll take some time to refresh and come back. I hope so. I like the guy a lot. Um, hope he can. It's a tough injury though. I, I hope he can get get it get it together and, and come back strong. But uh, good for Walt Harris stepping in last second. I was really hoping he would shock the world and knock out Fabricio Verdum. Really starting to hate that guy. 
<laughs> and uh, wasn't to be. He got taken down immediately, and armbarred. It tapped before it was even put on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was definitely a good, great submission from Verdum. He had his back and instead of go, started acting like he was going for the choke and just whipped right into the armbar. But yeah, like you said, it was he was tapping before he even had his arms straightened out. I know, yeah. He was terrified, and it's hard to blame him. I mean, it's like an amateur against a champion, basically. Their, their level of experience and skill difference. Yeah. But uh, did you see Verdum already slotted in to fight Marcin Tybura? Yeah, some Replace, controversy about that, I suppose. Yeah, replacing Mark Hunt in the main event of the Australian card. Because Hunt, they pulled him for medical reasons, but he... Well, interview he gave basically he went off on Dana on Instagram did you see that yeah he cussed him out sue him again and all call him a piece of shit and F this F that yeah always interesting with Mark Hunt in the UFC for sure it's just like it's kind of similar to how Cain Velasquez was telling the press how he couldn't train and uh, Mark Hunt gave some interview apparently where he was talking about his memory loss and stuttering and all this stuff Said the UFC pulled him from the fight, so I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if that's true, then it's hard to really blame him. But if, unless he's talking about something from a while ago, I don't yeah, know the he context. Was just, he was basically just saying like how he's been fighting for so long, and it's like I can even see my memory. I can't remember what I did yesterday, but I remember what I did years ago, and you can hear my speech starting to slur and stutter and all that, and. They pulled him based on that. Hmm. You'd think they'd at least set up like a doctor. Yeah, yeah, like a trip to the doctor to examine it, but I don't know. They hate each other. For sure. Uh, We had Mara Romero Barella defeat Kalindra Faria, which was just such a random choice to be on the pay per view main card. Two girls that had never fought in the UFC before. Yeah. Um, I mean,. I guess it was impressive uh, performance by Varela. She got her down on the ground immediately and then worked for the rear naked choke, but I don't know how good either of them are. So, yeah. It's hard to tell. Yeah, I mean, she definitely worked her on the ground, but who knows what it means. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's talk about the two draws. First, Benil Dariush and Evan Dunham was a majority draw. Dariush came out, beat the brakes off of Dunham in the first round, looked like he was going to finish him multiple times, but. Dunham, tough as nails, great chin. I don't think he's ever been knocked out. And he continued that, and he came back and won the the second two rounds, at least according to, uh, yeah, all the judges. So, no, uh, one judge did not give Darius a 10-8 first round, which is crazy, but everyone gave Dunham the next two rounds, and it was a draw. Yeah, I mean, there's, God, there's no quitting Dunham. That was, yeah. I couldn't believe he made it the whole fight. It was a great fight. Uh, great performance from both fighters, really. I mean, even though Darius gassed out after going for the finish in the first round, he still was a game. He was hanging in there. It wasn't like he uh, got blown out at the end. Yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely a great fight. I, I, uh, I just it, Evan Dunham really blew me away that he stuck in there. It's one of, I think, one of the best comebacks. Of the year? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can't believe he was on a four-fight winning streak and he hadn't fought in over a year really yeah so i mean 
what do you think of, of a draw? You, you hate it? You don't mind it? I, I definitely don't mind it. I think, uh, like especially with the Lando and Bobby Green fight, was the way the scorecards came out was a little weird. But uh, I don't mind if a fight's a draw. It's a draw. You know what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. The thing I don't like about it is it seems like they feel like they have to do a rematch right away, which I feel like, hey, it was a fun fight. It was a draw. You don't have to rematch right away. I, have, I kind of feel like I don't want to see the same fight, at least right away, maybe down the line. Give another fight or two for each guy and see where you are. Yeah, like neither guy loses ground and they just get yeah. one fight different. Yeah, I just, I'm not a big fan of rematches in general, unless it's really warranted. But they'll probably, I don't know what, what their plans are for these guys, but I have a feeling they'll put, like, put them both main event and co-main event on a Fox Sports 1 card rematch city title. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, let's uh, talk about Bobby Green, Land of Venata. That was a crazy fight. That was fight of the night, I believe, that got... Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, Venata came out, guns blazing, and uh, rocked Bobby Green's world. Looked like he was close to finishing him. And threw a illegal knee and got a point taken away, which ultimately ended up causing it to be a split decision in the end because Bobby Green came back. The draw, split draw. Split draw, correct. Um, yeah, and Bobby Green, he looked as good as he has in a while. He actually was throwing you. So sometimes he'll just like go out there and talk shit and never throw a punch, but he was game, and Venata's face was bloody. Bobby Green was beat up. It was a, it was a fun fight. I had it for Venata, but it didn't really matter. Yeah, I definitely had it for Venata, too, and it was a great fight. Venata got his face was messed up by the end of it. I just My issue was with the way the scorecards came out. Yeah, 29-27 for Green, 29-27 for yeah. Venata, and then 28-28. Yeah, strange. Yeah, I just don't know how that's even – I just hate how people can be watching the same fight come up with that. Especially with point deduction. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. That meant that someone had it 30-27 for Venata with the point taken away. I I don't know. I think you have to give Green at least one round, I feel like. Yeah, but then they also have Venata losing three rounds to... Right? Because the one judge had it 29-27 for Green. Yeah, that would be him losing two rounds to one plus the point taken away. Point deduction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I guess is plausible. Yeah, that's not completely out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. Uh, there hey, was. Knock on my door. Okay. Come and knock on my door. <laughs> and who was at the door? Oh, it was a couple of upsets on the undercard. We had uh, Cody Staman defeating Tom Dukenoy, Dukenois, excuse me, by split decision, kind of derailing this hype train a little bit. I mean, they're both prospects, but Dukenwa was supposed to be one of the biggest prospects in the UFC, and here he is. He gets out-wrestled, looked good on the feet, but he just got taken down and controlled for two of the three rounds. Yeah, I mean, are they, either of these guys ranked at Bantam? No, I don't think so. Bantamweight's pretty deep, so... But definitely guys to watch out for. I, even though he lost, I still think Dukenwa has. He's very young, 
has a chance, but Cody Stammen looked good. Yeah, I actually didn't catch this fight, but oh. yeah, I mean, it wasn't like super exciting fight. I'd say to rush out to see, but it had just the consequences of Duke and Wild losing were interesting. Uh, on the fight pass card, which I didn't see, but there's actually two decent fights down there. Uh, John Moraga, huge upset, knocked out Magomed Biblatov in the first round. Biblatov is supposed to be this huge flyweight prospect out of uh, Dagestan, and man, he, he apparently he got rocked and lights out. So John Moraga, big win for him. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't think John Morago would be that big of an underdog. Yeah, he was like well, plus six fifty or something. Yeah, he was like weeping when he won the fight. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I don't know Moraga. I feel like he's just a gatekeeper, kind of always be in that eight to fifteen range. But uh, he got a big win, so good for him. Brad Tavares defeated Talos Leitis by unanimous decision in the first fight. Out, um, Brad Tavares. I want to say is on a looking it up, looking it up. Three fight win streak now, modest three fight win streak. So good for him as well. <laughs> Not much to say, but <laughs> yeah, it was a fun card overall. I really enjoyed it. Like, uh, like I said, it really kind of revitalized my love for MMA, which never really went away. But it was a dark, dark summer. Yeah, I mean, I can't complain about the card. I would have loved to see Derek Lewis smash for Doom, but other than that, I was definitely happy. Yeah. All right, well, let's turn our attention. Two weeks from this past Saturday, we have UFC Fight Night 118 in, shit, what is it, Gdansk? Or it's uh, some kind of European card. Looking it up as we speak. Gdansk, Poland. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you going? Oh, yeah. I'll be there. <laughs> You're paying for my flight, right? Absolutely. We'll, uh, we'll uh, expense it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Right off. But, yeah. Donald Cerrone fighting Darren Till in the main event. Kind of interesting to see Cerrone, um, you know, flying out to Poland against... Yeah, I'm uh, just more excited to see what kind of extreme sports you'll be doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good point, good point. But, uh, yeah, we're trying out this new uh, format for our card previews. I think we started on the last one. Where we're going to talk about the main events for these Fight Night cards, then each pick three uh, per, under and other fights on the, on the card that we're interested in talking about or interested in seeing. And when we get to UFC 217, we'll talk about the main card and each pick two preliminaries. So yeah, It's kind of slim picking here. <laughs> yeah, not a whole lot to choose from, but as far as the main event goes, or your anticipation for the card overall, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to give this a six, only because Serrani's on it. It would be probably much lower if he was not. Yeah, it's mine's even lower, just even with Serrani. It's a four out of ten for me. Yeah. Uh, it's not a slight against Serrani, obviously. He's always been one of my guys, and he remains... To this day, but I, I just feel like Darren Till, yeah, he is a, a solid prospect. He's not a bad fighter, but I feel like he's out of his league here. I feel like Cerrone's going to finish him third round, third, fourth round. And that'll be fun to watch. 
but it's also on Fight Pass, which I don't have anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> it's going to be tough. Who knows what time of day it'll be. Yeah, that too. So I might try it. Well, for some reason, I was able to use like a free seven-day trial on Fight Pass, even though I had just canceled my account. So I might try to do that trick again, see if it works. But uh, yeah, four out of ten for me for this card. I just don't think the undercard... There's some kind of interesting fights on the undercard, but nothing that uh, I'll be too yeah. upset about if I miss yeah. Not too much. <laughs> yeah, what do you got? What are you looking forward to on there? Uh, I mean, I'm just, I guess I'll go with the co-main event because it's got Carolina on it. Yeah, that was one of mine. Yeah, I feel she's... like we'll probably definitely overlap, but yeah, <laughs> I don't know who she's fighting. I've never heard of Jody Esquibel. Jody Esquibel, I don't know how you pronounce it, Esquibel, Esquibel. Um, I think she is coming over from Invicta. Yes, she. this is her UFC debut. All her fights have been in Invicta, or at least her past six. Uh, she lost to Alexa Grasso, the prospect in the UFC, but she beat Deanna Bennett, who is still alive in the tough 26 uh, tournament right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it seems yeah, like mean, she's solid, you know. Yeah, I think it's more of a rebound for Carolina. For sure, but, for uh, sure. Other than that, I'd say... I'd like to see the Artem Lobov Andre Feely fight. Yeah, another one for me. Any yeah. any chance to see uh, Lobov get his ass kicked? I'll take it. Which is, I think he probably will in this fight, and it's amazing that he's still in the UFC. Definitely only because he has the Connor camp. Yeah, affiliation. <laughs> it's funny as much as I love Connor, I hate Artem Lobov just as much. Oh, me too. Just like. See all the videos of him, like even for the Mayweather fight, he was sparring all uh, Artem. It's like, Jesus, how much weight does that hold? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Andre Feely uh, needs—he needed a bounce back uh, fight, uh, tune-up fight, and what better than the punching bag that is Artem Lobov? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, he's probably like the bottom of the barrel for uh, Team Alpha Male. Yeah, yeah, but he's he's got some some skills. What's your last one? I'm going to be honest here. I think the only other guy that I know anything about is Jane, John Blackowitz. Oh, Jan Blackowitz, yeah. He's fighting... Uh, Devin Clark. Yeah, Devin Clark. Solid uh, for a light heavyweight. I mean, he's he's decent, I guess. Uh, yeah, that's... <laughs> when that's the fourth best fight of the card, that's, that's something. Yeah, it's just... Uh, I'm looking at these names and it's not too many of them ring a bell. Yeah, I uh, I I picked Aspen Lad versus Lena Landsberg. Uh, Aspen Lad, another fighter coming over from Invicta, making her UFC debut. She's undefeated, five and zero. And Lena Landsberg is the chick that came in just strictly to fight Cyborg at uh, in the catchweight fight. Remember that in Brazil? Yeah, yeah. And and now she's. I think she came back and won a fight after that at 135. So, I don't know. I'm more interested to see what Lad, Aspen Ladd has to do making her UFC debut. Yeah. Yeah, other than that, this card is... Uh... Pretty garbage, yeah. Yep, yep. Um, maybe there's some people we just don't know about that uh, will uh, catch our attention or at least build a resume for themselves. But as of now, we can't be sure. 
which yeah, is kind of sure. crazy because UFC Fight Night 119 in Brazil a week later is pretty damn good, actually. Uh, at least the main card, I feel like, was like legitimately uh, watchable. So this is on Fox Sports 1 from Brazil. The main event, Leota Machida versus Derek Brunson. The Dragon returns after his ridiculous suspension. What's your uh, anticipa- anticipation level here? Yeah, like you said, it's definitely, I'd say, hands and above better than 118. Um, I'm going to have to give it... I can't, God, now I can't believe I gave that one six. I know, you messed up there. <laughs> <laughs> so by default, I'm going to give this a seven. Yeah, I'm six and a half for this one. Which, which I mean, I'm trying to... I don't really... Still working out the uh, the grading system on this since we're just starting it out, but if uh, if you know you if, if a pay per view a good pay per view is going to be you know in eights or nines, then this is still solid six and a half for me. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it definitely has some good fights on it. I'm really yeah, looking yeah. forward to seeing Machida come back, see if he's lost a step in the time away, or if or if the rest you know did him some good. And I think it's a pretty. Uh, Fun matchup with him and Brunson. Yeah, for sure. I thought he's. I think he's always looked good at middleweight. I think it's probably where he should have been all along. Yeah, but, uh, agreed. Derek Brunson's no slouch. He's kind of like a middle of the road guy. And I think if Machida really puts on a show and maybe gets a good finish here, it'd be great for him. Absolutely. I I kind of have a feeling we've seen Derek Brunson be super aggressive and lunging punches like he did against Robert Whitaker and paid for it. If anyone is great at countering that kind of shit, it's Leona Machida. Yeah. So I could easily see him nailing Brunson with the counter right and uh, putting him to sleep. Yeah, I think that is kind of how I see it going. I just, uh, I don't know if Leona will leave himself, probably won't leave himself susceptible to those big, uh, what do you call it? Uh, looping hooks that right. brought the afterwards, but uh, I don't know. I just how old do you think Machida is now? Do you have the number? I want to say thirty-seven. You looking it up? Thirty-nine. Thirty-nine. Okay. Okay. So we'll see. I mean, I don't know. What has he been out for a year and a half? Yeah. I guess we'll see. I, even if he does come back and win suppressively at middleweight's kind of tied up at the top so I just don't know what where his plate where he stands these days you know what I yeah. mean yeah yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens and and what the next step is after this what uh what else you got interested in here well of course Damian Maya coming back yeah. after the most atrocious title fight of all time absolutely see if he uh, can rebound against Colby Covington yeah I I expect him to probably dominate like he did on his way to the title fight, but uh, I guess we shall see. Colby Covington, he's on the up and up. I mean, he's got some big wins lately, but he is such a douchebag. And um, <laughs> he's pure wrestler. I mean, he's a good wrestler, but I feel like that plays into Damian Maya's hands. I feel like the only kind of fighters that are going to be able to beat Damian Maya at this stage are like, I know Masvidal lost to Maya, but I mean, a guy that can stand him and ta- like touch him up on the feet and have good takedown defense. And I don't know about 
<laughs> if Covington tries to double leg him, I think that might just play into Maya's hands. So, yeah, it could probably be like the worst thing he could do. Yeah, so I'm predicting Maya by submission whenever he wants. Yeah, riding like a backpack and rear naked yeah. chicken probably. Um, probably uh, John Lineker, Mar- Marlon Vera. Vera. Yeah, I got that, that one. Should be a good fight. Fucking anytime hands of stones, John Lineker's fighting. I'm watching. I mean, I. He is just so fun to watch, winging these punches, all that power. Yeah, especially you know, he's at bantamweight now. He, I would assume he doesn't have his hardest time cutting the weight down to there. Yeah, let's hope not. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think he's he's coming off that loss to TJ, right? Which was um, a while ago now. Yeah, I think he got pulled from the fight. Could be well, wrong, but... Yeah, I can't remember. I know at some point he got pulled for that deng- dengue fever or whatever, some crazy shit. Yeah. But uh, I got to look up his last fight because... Uh, it was TJ. It was? Okay, last November? Uh, December. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yep, that's that's a while ago. So glad to have him back. And Marlon Vera, he's on a, run, a bit of a run. He retired Brad Pickett, sent him out with the, with the knockout. Um, he's an underrated little fighter himself, but I fully expect Lineker to put put hands on him and, and send him home. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I guess last I'd have uh, Jim Miller and Francisco Trinaldo. Yeah, it's a solid fight. Yeah, it's Jim Miller always comes to fight and uh, usually doesn't ever put on a boring performance. So in a card like this, I think that kind of fight will... Uh, end up probably being one of the best fights. Yeah, that, it should be entertaining at least. So he's coming off back-to-back losses. Lost a decision to Dustin Poirier and then a decision to Anthony Pettis. Trinaldo coming off of uh, a loss to Kevin Lee, which he was winning until he got submitted. Before that, he was on an eight-fight winning streak. So Damn. Definitely uh, flying under the radar there, but he's a good good fighter. A little bit old in are long in the tooth, but uh, <laughs> should be a fun fight. I, I got Rob Font versus Pedro Munoz as my third. Uh, Bantamweight, again, love this division. I mean, there's all kinds of talent at Bantamweight right now. And these two guys, I think, are kind of under-the-radar prospects, or I don't know how much prospects they are, but young fighters that uh, are Rob Font's 30, but still, what you get what yeah. I'm saying. Uh, he is 4-1 in the UFC. His only loss is to John Lineker. Uh, he's a good, talented fighter on the feet. And then Pedro Munoz, which I didn't even realize until I was looking at it, he only has two losses as well. He is, let's see. One, no contest also. Yeah, I think he's like 5-2. and two. In the UFC, his only losses were a split decision to Jimmy Rivera, who was about to fight Dominic Cruz for in a title eliminator, and uh, Rafael Sunsal, who, if he wasn't so boring, would probably have a title shot by now. Yeah, he's also got a there's no contest is from a testosterone issue. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's good now. Yeah, he's clean. clean. Yeah, I don't know who's going to win that fight, but it is. Uh, I just think it's an under-the-radar uh, matchup that people should look out for. Yeah, I think anything towards the top of Bantamweight is bound to be a good fight. Yeah, absolutely. All right, I guess real quick, let's talk about Bellator. Uh, they got a couple of events coming up this month. 
Bellator 185, the premiere, the the debut of Gegard Mousasi in Bellator oh. against Alexander Shlomenko. Who was their champion at one point, yeah. Yeah, and then he lost to Tito Ortiz and then popped for steroids. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah, so I guess this is... I mean, it's still, I guess, kind of a test for Musasi. I fully expect him to, to I break think it. Run into him, yeah. yeah, and then probably get a title shot right after that. I'm surprised he didn't walk into one. Yeah, me too. I guess. I wonder whose decision that was, but it'll be interesting to see Musasi in a Bellator cage and see if this uh, former UFC fighter curse continues and he gets upset. Yeah. They definitely have not been doing good. No. Uh, but you know who has Ryan Bader in at Bell Tour 186? He'll be defending his title that he won off of Phil Davis in one of the most boring fights of the year <laughs> against Linton Vassal. Woo! <laughs> Vassal actually putting together a solid little run here. I mean, let me just take a look at who it's against before we get too excited, yeah. but... Let me hear this. Uh, he beat Liam Geary, McGeary by dis- submission last time out. Okay. He beat Francis Carmont by decision, dominant decision. And he beat Emmanuel Newton by decision. Which, I mean, they aren't terrible fighters by any means, but uh, I don't know if any of those would be in the top ten in the UFC. Yeah. Maybe Justin. Before that, he lost to uh, King Mo. By decision, so I mean, he's a solid fighter, fully capable of beating a guy like Ryan Bader, but I'll still say Bader finds a way to win. Yeah, I agree. I think Bader's got uh, a better base underneath of him and has been in bigger fights. Yeah, has the experience. Good call there. All right, let's get to the big daddy of them all UFC 217 in New York, Madison Square Garden. Three title fights, um, stacked card, top to bottom for the most part. What for is sure. what is your anticipation level here? Uh, I'm gonna go with a heavy eight and a half here. Right. Nine. Yeah, I am incredibly excited for this. I'm like heavy nine, maybe a light nine and a half. I didn't think I was gonna be this excited for it, but that press conference between GSP and Bisping was pretty great. That was good, yeah. And uh, really got me, and it's just crazy that we're this close to GSP actually coming back once and for all. It's actually yeah, going to happen. Yeah, I think the only, the, only, the only thing that's holding my uh, anticipation rating from being as high as yours is, let's see, let's wait till we get there, you know what I mean? I'm yeah, true. nervous for something happening. That is true. we got to get there intact, but... Uh, the crazy thing is, they still haven't even announced the fifth fight on the pay-per-view main card. So, yeah. <laughs> I heard rumors it could be CM Punk, but really. I don't know how true that is. So, I don't know who they could get to fight CM Punk to make it competitive. <laughs> yeah, they pulled somebody from the amateur round. <laughs> yeah, some like seventeen-year-olds. <laughs> Yeah. Novice out of karate class, white belt. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I guess this, this card could get even more stacked depending on what they do there. But 
yeah, let's talk about GSP Michael Bisping. What do you think is going to happen? I have no idea. I personally think Michael uh, GSP is going to look real good, and uh, I think it'll be a good fight. But I think GSP will dominate in this fight. You do, whether it be even on the feet with his jab. He's got a very strong jab. He's not that much smaller than Bisping, but I don't think Bisping will be able to stop his takedowns. If GSP starts to face any kind of adversity, I think he'll be able to take him down on command. So I, just, I have GSP running through him and even finishing him by the third or fourth round. Hmm. See, that would be awesome. Like, I'm kind of rooting for that. I want GSP to come back strong and really, like, be in it for, you know, another run here. I'm just yeah, not I, sure. I, yeah, I, I want that also. I just, I don't know. Even if George St. Pierre wins this middleweight title, I don't know. What if does he's that even be mean? Defending yeah. it twice a year, <laughs> right? You know I mean? Exactly, but yeah, I guess I lean towards that as well. Maybe by decision, but I like what Carlos Condit said on the MMA Hour yesterday. He said GSP. He doesn't think GSP would come back unless he knew he could win. So that's why he's taking GSP in that fight. Yeah, he's a fully prepared guy, fit as could be, like. I feel like he came in and saw a matchup that he could take advantage of, and that's what he's going to do. Uh, yeah, I, I I agree with that. I can see where that comes from, but I also think that, uh, like, they've already planned this fight once, and then it fell through, and the way the welterweight picture turned out, they gave George this fight. I just don't know how much this fight being made relies on GSP thinking he could win. I think it's a, the biggest money fight they could put together. And, uh, of course, I think George St. Pierre thinks he can win it. Why else would he take it? But uh, I don't think it totally revolves around that. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, my most anticipated fight of the night has got to be Cody Garbrandt versus TJ Dillashaw in the co-main event. Finally, this grudge match goes down after they coached Ultimate Fighter Last season, and Cody had a back injury. Looks like he's good to go, and I have, again, a coin flip in my mind. I have no idea who's going to win this fight. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be one of the biggest grudge, uh, grudge matches of all time. Yeah, former teammates hate each other's guts now. It's widely uh, reported and seen, and Cody grabbing him by the throat on Ultimate Fighter. I think coming into the year, I had this in my top five most anticipated fights of the year, possibly. So here we are. It's happening. Yeah, they're both very similar fighters when it comes down to it. Yeah, for sure. I think TJ's wrestling is probably a little bit better than Cody's, but I think that equals out with Cody maybe being a little bit better on the feet. Yeah. Yep. As unlikable as Cody Garbrandt can be, like, no denying he's got the talent. I mean, the, what he did to Dominic Cruz was just unheard of. Like, shocked me, and I'm sure everybody. So, if he can fight like that against Dillashaw, who kind of has a similar style to Cruz, if not a stronger guy with probably, like, I don't know if he has better wrestling, but close. Definitely, like, a stronger dude. Uh, I yeah. think I think I'll, I'll take Cody. I, and TJ's no joke on the feet either, but... I give Cody like the power advantage, so uh, I'm leaning Cody in this fight, but I am, cannot wait to watch it. 
Yeah, me too. I totally agree. It's almost like like what Cody did to uh, Dominic Cruz was almost what TJ did to uh, Anna Burrell. Right. It's like yeah. on the same plane. But I th- I'm going to take TJ here. I just think his movement and head work. Although Cody's is great and definitely showed that in the Cruz fight, I just think TJ's going to be ready and uh, I think he's, he's going to be able to take it up another notch. Yeah, it's, a, it's kind of an open question if did Cruz look slow because Cody made him look that way or was he hampered by an injury or was he just lost a step? So there's still some uh, questions to be answered here. Yeah, for sure. All right, but that, it's it's going to be one of the best fights of the year for sure. Yeah, I agree. So third title fight, first one out of the gate that we'll get to see. Ioanni and Jacek, staple at these Madison Square Garden shows against Rose Nami Yunus, uh, exciting young fighter that we've talked about plenty of times. This was a matchup that I feel like we have known was eventually going to happen at some point. And, and here it is. I think it's it's exciting matchup to promotable young female stars against each other. Even if I think Ioana is a step above and should outclass her in every way, it's still one of these last few remaining matchups at uh, women's strawweight that we haven't seen yet. Yeah, I mean, I'm pumped for this fight. And I agree with what you said, that Ioana's probably a step above and should beat her. But the way Rose looked against Michelle Waterson in her last fight, I don't. I wouldn't write her off by any means. No, I, I wouldn't, yeah. She's definitely capable of stepping in there and upsetting the world. <laughs> yeah, I think it's um yeah, I give her a shot, no doubt about it. I mean, she's she's got finishing abilities on the ground on the feet. Like she's certainly talented and constantly improving and growing and evolving as a fighter. My biggest thing where I I've always been a huge Yuani and Jacek fan. What makes me even more impressed with her now is after what Jessica Andrade did, Andrade did to uh, Claudia Gadea a couple yeah. weeks ago, and Ioana just embarrassed Jessica Andrade. <laughs> so that's like, man, how much of a step above is she now? So, but yeah, I, I agree with you. It, it's a it's a fight I'm eagerly anticipating as well. For sure. All right, next up on the main card, Jorge Masvidal against Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Thompson trying to get a rebound from these <laughs> disappointing fights, disappointing performances, but was it Tyron Woodley's fault? Was it Stephen Thompson's fault? Probably both, but he needs a chance to rebound and get back on track, show how exciting he could be like he did before those two fights. And uh, Masvidal, always game-bred, uh, that's his nickname. Uh, he's a solid fighter. He's looked great at 170. Had that cl- super close loss to Damian Maya, so he's not too far out from a title shot if he can get a small winning streak going himself. Yeah, I think this is a really good matchup. I, I didn't think the first Thompson Woodley fight was that bad. The second one was definitely no. Yeah, it's true. It was much much better. But if you rewatch it, it was mostly just like. The first and the fourth rounds were super exciting. The second, third, and fifth, I believe, if I'm getting the rounds uh, correct, were kind of similar to the second fight. Yeah. It's, it's but at least they had for, those bursts. Yeah, but it's, it's like par for the course for Woodley at this point. But Yeah. I'm, I'm like you said, I'm absolutely excited to see Thompson come back. He 
looked great in his run-up to that title fight. And uh, I've never been that big of a fan of Mass at all. So I'm hoping Thompson comes back looking like the killer that he did look like. Yeah, I just love Stephen Thompson's demeanor. Seems like a great guy, kind of like in a DJ way, like just down to earth, always, you know, respectful. And uh, and then he gets in a cage and messes people up with his, like, karate moves. So I think it's a good stylistic matchup for a potential fight of the night if you didn't have so many other awesome fights at the same time. so Yeah, that's really a tough thing to win there. <laughs> yeah, so who do you like between TBD and TBD? The last TBD and TBD are the uh, going to take TBD in the blue corner. Super evenly matched. Um, it's, <laughs> it's a coin flip. Just got no idea. Literally, no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as uh, the prelims, I feel like there's still a couple fights that they might announce here on the prelims, even. But from what they have so far, I'll start off this one with the two picks. I'll go um, Mickey Gall versus Randy Brown. Kind of interested to see where Mickey Gall stands. I mean, he hasn't fought in a while since he beat uh, beat CM Punk, right? Sage, let's go. Then he called out Sage and beat him, and then he called out Dan Hardy, and now he's fighting Randy Brown. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, it was interesting to see him get that time off. Hopefully he used it well. I feel like he's a guy that can low-key build himself up with that golden opportunity that he got. He's looked good so far against, albeit, you know, less experienced guys. Randy Brown is a is a good fighter. He's a good up-and-comer, good striker. So, interesting fight. I uh, yeah. I think Mickey Gall, if, if what uh, I believe of him is true, is he'll be able to get to the fight on the ground and finish it from there. Yeah, I agree that I'd probably take Gall in this fight, but I would like to see him face some real adversity mm-hmm, and get through mm-hmm. it. See what kind of uh, muster he's got. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, my other pick would be Joseph Duffy versus James Vick in the lightweight division. Duffy, of course, famous for being the guy to beat Conor McGregor in his last fight before he got into the the UFC, or the last time he lost before he got into the UFC. I believe, and James Vick is uh, 11-1 and one with his only loss being against, looking it up, should already have it on the docket, but it, too late for that. He lost Daniel Dariush. Daniel Dariush by knockout. So, yeah, this guy, uh, I think he's kind of underrated. Super tall for the division. Just think it's a good fight. Uh, two guys probably in that like top 20 to 30 ranks ranking in the lightweight division so and if joseph duffy can go in a real streak then that's a natural storyline there between him and conor mcgregor yeah for sure i I agree it's uh i don't know i just don't know how much sand this fight holds fair enough what are your picks uh my first one's going to be johnny Hendricks versus paulo boracina boracina Um, really just because I love seeing Johnny Hendricks lose. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and this fight is a death sentence. This is a huge middleweight, big prospect (laughs) coming off of... It's undefeated. Yeah, a big win against uh, Alouet Bambose at UFC 212. I mean, he's 
He's going to demolish Johnny Hendricks. And I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hendricks is lost. Um, four or five two, out of four, his last. Four out of his last five. And five out of his last seven. So yeah. last getting knocked out by Tim Bush, which was, I'm sure, good for you to see. Yeah, I'd almost hope that he misses weight, but definitely take Apollo in this fight. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, crazy. Can't believe Hendricks took this fight. Yeah. What's your other one? I guess one? last up, I'll finish with, uh, it's kind of some pickings, but Corey Anderson versus Patrick Cummings. Uh, both of them are coming off of, uh, actually, Cummings is coming off two wins, John Blackowitz and John Volante, but he definitely has a ways to go to pick himself back up the ladder. And uh, Corey Anderson lost to Jimmy Manoa by knockout. Jimmy Manoa, yeah, his last fight. So definitely middle of the road to uh, maybe even less than that in light heavyweight. But we'll see if it's a good fight. It could be a sloppy slugfest. Yeah, um, I kind of feel like they're both good wrestlers. Might cancel each other out. And I think Corey Anderson, if it's the, if it's a fight that stays standing, I think he'll take care of business. Like yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take Cummings. Taking care of business. You're crazy, by the way, to say Slim Pickens because even Godzilla Mad Antigula versus Ian Kutabella, Kutalaba, uh, those are two just guys at light heavyweight that just throw down with power. I think that could Uh, be a bloody war. Antigula was pulled from the event. Oh, damn it. Right, yeah, right. Slim pickings. Fuck this card. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, there's also a good prospect fight between Ricardo Ramos and Eamon Zahabi. And Curtis Blades versus Alexi Olenek is a fun heavyweight fight. Olenek coming off of that awesome win over Travis Brown. Yeah. But yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that there you have it. Let's get to our final points and get out of here. What uh. What do you bring to the table? Uh, really just uh, kind of touches. I've talked about this a little bit in the prior, but I'm excited now that the, the ball is starting to roll again. We get this nice big UFC 217 coming. The fight nights aren't terrible. I mean, great, but 119 is definitely a lot better. I'm, I'm excited to see what happens, how each division plays out. I really want to see what they do about the interim title at lightweight i want to see what they do with the interim title at middleweight it's a lot of like moving parts that need to uh even themselves out i guess you'd say you know what i mean yeah i agree and i think i was looking it up uh there's a uh, there's like uh only let's see there's a uh, two weeks between 216 and the fight night 118 but then after that there's something like 12 events in 12 weeks or something. Yeah. So we're getting events every week from here on out pretty much. And um, most of them are pretty good. So Yeah, for sure. And I'm excited to see what they're going to announce for the year-end cards, their December cards, which should be coming up shortly, at least the announcements. And lastly, I'm really excited to see – now that we got Dana White on the DJ's the best ever bandwagon, I want to see what they do with him. Yeah. Really intrigued of how they handle that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Completely agree. I, uh, my final point, you know, there was news this past week that 
the the exclusive negotiating window for the UFC and Fox Sports, or just Fox, uh, was up, and they can start to negotiate with other companies. So lots of rumors going around about what they're going to do. I wanted to see, give our thoughts on what we think is most likely going to be the outcome and what we think would be the ideal outcome as far as their TV deal is concerned. Yeah, that's tricky. I had ideas. Should I go first while you think? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. All right. I think my ideal scenario is they cut down to four pay-per-views a year. Only use those for your Conor McGregor fights, your stacked cards like 217 with three title fights, your, you know, real events that people will be willing to pay money for. And I feel like if they do less of them, more people will be willing to buy every single one. Yeah. And to offset that, I think you want to get, sign uh, TV deals with two other companies. One, as just like a sports company, whether it's stay with Fox in Fox Sports 1 or move or sign with ESPN. I think you need one of these deals to to be with a like a a channel that already has sports and you can really make a home for yourself there and do one show a month with that company with that channel. And then their other partner I think should be some kind of premium service like HBO or Showtime, or Amazon, get crazy, I don't know, Netflix, whatever. Like yeah. something premium where they can kind of build a new audience and do one show a month for them. And because they are only doing a pay-per-view every three months in this situation, these cards can be better. They can really make these like a stacked cards even. Like uh, if you're only doing two cards a month, for 12 months and then every three months a pay-per-view. I feel like that's way less than they're doing now. That's only 28 shows a year compared to like 40. So I feel like they can really slim the roster down, get rid of some filler, and let's put on some great events. Every event should be must-see or at least a fight, like a, an event, a fight night that uh, you're willing to sit down and watch, put your Saturday night aside for. Yeah, I, I, that does sound like a good idea, and I- I somewhat agree with it, but I see issues from, like, uh, almost, like, compared to boxing, where, like, uh, I don't know, ESPN has, like, free fights on Friday nights or whatever, and Fox Sports has some free fights on some night of the week or whatever, and WBA will be on some channels, uh, WBA is on some channel. I just think it uh, dilutes it almost to a point where people get confused and don't know where to find it, and I think that's one of the main issues, if not... The only issue when looking at an idea like that is spreading yourself too thin. Well, that's why but, I only said two channels. And maybe it is better to stay with Fox Sports since, you know, it's already known programming there. But I, feel, I don't know. I feel like this is an opportunity to reach beyond. And much like the NFL has games on CBS and Fox and NBC, like to really, I don't know. It's a... It's a tough call because I, I feel like it's a safer choice to just stay where they are or stay with one channel. But I feel like they could really take a, take a chance and try to grow this thing even more. Yeah, and I agree with that. But you also have to think like uh, I think a, lot, a big part of this negotiation and what they're going to do is going to come with uh, if they're talking to ESPN or 
you know, like you said, ESPN or, uh, I mean, NBC or Fox, like it's going to come to which one of those channels is about to lose the NFL in maybe three or four years. And they know they might not want to bid again on that. So it's going to, I think a big part of that is going to be which channel knows they're about to lose something and want to gain something big with the UFC. And uh, also you have to think about like Fight Pass. They built this big streaming service and they have events every now and then dedicated to that. I don't think they just want to scrap that. You know what I mean? I kind of wish they would. Yeah, I agree too. But I or at least, or at least like, or go all in on it. Like, or start putting like legit events on there and, and really, I mean, I should not be canceling Fight Pass. I'm a freaking obsessive with the UFC and MMA. I would love to pay ten dollars a month if they put content out there that was. I'm, I just wasn't watching it, so I. I mean, yeah, sure. like Invicta and all the other stuff they threw on there is not enough. Even Eddie Bravo Invitational. Oh, that stuff's was, cool. It's definitely a, a bonus, but it's not enough. Yeah, it's not enough to keep me around. Yeah, really. yeah. But uh, I think ESPN and. Uh, you know, CBS, they'll probably all be big players in the, uh, in the talks. I, I don't know. I just don't know what would be best because Fox Sports already has, well, they have Fox Sports 1 and 2, and they have Big Fox. You know what I mean? They already have, like, a big spread-out platform where it's almost like that other than being different networks. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so. ESPN could do it with ESPN, ESPN2, ABC is affiliated. Yeah. So for sure. I think it'll end up being something like that. Yeah. My my realistic what I think is actually gonna happen is I think they will slim down to pay, the pay per views, but not down all the way down to four like I was suggesting. I think they'll probably go from the thirteen a year they do now to something like eight or ten. Yeah, I was gonna say eight. In eight, that yeah, range. And I think they'll probably I know they wanna do multiple networks because they can get conceivably more money that way something tells me they're going to stay with fox and maybe do like a a show with showtime or hbo with like two cards a year yeah something minor yeah just to like uh get started on that type of deal yeah and i think they're no matter what they do they're going to try to make it so that it's not exclusive like that they can if they can come, like they're going to try to leave it open where they can come to agreement with other networks during the length of the contract. Yeah, for sure. They're definitely going to use any leverage they can yeah. get their hands on. All right, well, that'll but do I it. Guess we shall, it's the end of next year that happens, right? Yeah, end of 2018. So still some time, but I guess these things take time to negotiate and figure yeah, out. Yeah, it's probably starting already. No, I'm sure. No doubt about that. All right. Good show, um, good fights. If you want to hit us up, you know what to do, but I'll tell you anyway. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at Red Belt Report. I'm on Twitter at The Oriole Report. I'm on Twitter at Brooks Phelan. Shoot us an email, let us know what you think, ask us any questions, or answer them on air at the Red Belt Report at gmail.com. And um, subscribe on iTunes. Tell your friends. We'll see you later. <laughs> See you. Ladies and gentlemen, the party has just begun. Wow. Look at all these people. I wish I, wish I could dance like that guy. Jeez. It must be great, right?